Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. everybody welcome to another episode of true crime and cocktails famous fatalities edition as always i am your host lauren ash and as always i am joined by my co-host s with the most s christy oxborough how you feeling well the fact that i am recording this just mere feet away from you mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. means that i'm doing great i also wish that i could show everyone the setup we have to make this work we, we do what we have to for the people this is something i want to stress You know, we started this as amateur podcasters, amateur sleuths, uh, people that don't have a lot of what I would describe as technical experience. And so, as Christy has alluded, she is here in my home in California, which is a damn delight. And we have spent no fewer than the past three hours (laughs) trying to record in the same room. And we figured it out. Uh, long story short, we won't bore you with the details, but we do have a, a, a series of very short Zoom video tests, which I think we are going to have to edit into some sort of uh, blooper montage yeah. because it has been a clown turn. <laughs> and what we've ended up on is just doing this the way we normally do, just Christy in another room in my own home, uh, because we realized that this way we have backups. This way, uh, the internet seems to be working more than trying to overload one laptop. Lots of things. Again, very boring. We don't have to get into, but it's truly, truly made us lose our minds. Like we, uh, the the level of mania that we normally bring to this show <laughs> has been surpassed. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, just like for those watching, I hold the microphone now like Oprah. <laughs> just when I say now, I just mean the next couple episodes. But, you, you say you know, this now, but I have a feeling there's going to be maybe like a glitter microphone that I'm going to end oh, up seeing at some point. You know what I mean? That's Rhinestones. A little, that's a little more like Elton John, Mariah Carey than I feel I can bring. But I'll get there. <laughs> I'll get mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just also like the the fact that I, I just continually change what my background looks like. Yeah. Like it's just, I've been consistent, but you have changed it up significantly, many times. That is very telling of our personalities. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just all over the place. And Listen. you, you're like the, the, the port in the storm where I have to go to calm down. <laughs> That's nice. I thought so. I also don't know that I'm really. I mean, I'm kind of all over the place too. I was being kind. Yeah, you really were. I appreciate that. I shouldn't have called it out. Uh, well, listen, first things first, I got to ask you, I would normally ask what you're drinking over there, but I'll ask you what you're drinking in there because she's just over here. She's she's just in this room. She's behind this wall, which is as ridiculous. We know it's ridiculous, but it's just the truth. What you drinking in there? You uh, bust out some uh, cherry 7-Up, which we do not have in Canada. Yeah. Uh, so I've paired that with just a nice lime and some vodka. And it's refreshing. It's what you need. Now, what I'm drinking, I think you're really going to like this, is the Lauren Ash version of a speedball. Because isn't a speedball typically heroin and cocaine together? <laughs> I believe it is. Um, I, I am too not, innocent to know the answer I've, to that. I've, I've, I've never partaken in that, but, you know, I, I've, I've read about it. Uh, anyway, but for me, my version of a speedball is a, is a can of, of cut water, tequila margarita, and a Diet Coke. <laughs> Yeah. We got my heroin, we got my cocaine. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. It should be noted that Christy did bring down some Palm Bays, and I did drink one, uh, and the rest are gone. We were going to save them for this record, and guess what, folks? Didn't make it. But we wouldn't be us if we were <laughs> saving booze. Like, we're not hoarders. You know what I mean? It was a nice day. It's in California. Uh, when I left to come here, it was snowing. And when I got here, there was a beautiful pool. <laughs> So what I'm going to say is, there's no way they were going to last. There's no way. No, there is no way. What I love was the other day, Christy was working. She was um, she was doing research for this episode of the podcast. Uh, and I asked her if she wanted to take a California break. And she's like, what's a California break? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, we get in the pool. You know, have a couple drinks. Long story short, the California break went on until the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're living our best yeah. lives, which is nice. Could not be happier. This is how it's meant to be. It I mean, really maybe is. not exactly the podcast setup, but this is how it's meant to be. Yeah. You know? It's been really fun being able to discuss the case in real time, because normally we're doing it over text, and now yeah. we're just having full convos about it. Another thing that's really nice is we're both in our True Crime and Cocktails bag of worms shirts, because I had not mailed Christie's to her yet. So this is our first time doing doing one of the podcasts in these matching shirts. And if you want to get one of these yourself, you can. They're still available. Go to the link in our bio on Instagram, and uh, it's in there on Bonfire. That was a that was a very weighted plug, but it's true. I I just I I was I was fine with it. I just liked that it left air for like me to jump in, and I was like, 
I hold the microphone like Oprah. <laughs> Although it's like, did she hold a microphone? She probably had the lapel. I've already considered when I get home, do I start looking into just a mic I clip on? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I just didn't see that coming, but yeah, totally. I mean, then you're hands free. You could also get a little oh. headset, like a gaming, a gaming thing. That is true, but then I'm, then I'm all blocking things that people should see. No, that. What I like is that by the minute you are becoming more and more television than you even want to admit, and I th think that feels right. Now again, I, Christy is in uh, California because we are yeah. on full true crime and cocktails business, but yeah. we're not going to get into that too much in this episode. We're going to save that for a very special episode of the podcast that we're going to record at the end of her visit. A little something we're going to call true crime and quarantine. Which I think is cute. I could not be more excited. I mean, it's just going to be us talking things out. Telling it through. Telling the people the stuff, not just like what we're doing here, what it took to get here and what it's going to take to go home. The full journey <laughs> that this trip is going to be <laughs> It's a wild ride, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, people, we're so excited to share with you. So stay tuned for that next week. But right now, we are going yeah. to talk about the Delphi murders. Now, this, of course, was the Patreon poll pick for the month of March. Now, if you're wondering, what the heck does that mean, Lauren? Patreon.com slash True Crime and Cocktails. We're on there. There's lots of cool benefits if you if you sign up and subscribe to our Patreon. One of which is, is that we do a monthly poll um, where everyone gets to vote on a series of cases about what they'd like us to cover next. So this is our second one. Our first one, of course, was Princess Diana. And this is our, our follow-up to that, the Delphi murders, which are also known as the Snapchat murders, I believe. Are they not? Literally the first line of my notes. I, I just printed her notes for her, so I probably, I, I I ingested that without even knowing. I feel like you knew a lot more about this than you think, and I know that people are like, oh, well, if you've been discussing it, you're not going to surprise her. And let me tell you, there have been a couple of times where I've looked at her and gone, I've said too much. Yes, there's been a few times where I've said something to her, like, I was like, I just think this, and then she'll just pause and be like, I have to keep some things close to the chest, and I don't push it, because I do want to be surprised. I like surprises. Yeah. Some people don't like surprises in life. I like them. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm a nervous Nelly. Sure. I, uh, I'm, I'm quick to get scared. So if someone tries to surprise me, I will scream out. But yeah. then I'll be joyed if it's a nice surprise, obviously. Right. Of course. But uh, I don't know how many of these are going to be nice surprises. But well, my yes, goal not is in these to contacts, at least, but... I just want something, just one thing that I say to you that you're like, I did not hear that. That's my goal. It's my goal every week. This week, well, you've... I just need one. Listen, you've always done that. So I would not no. be surprised if you did it again. But I will be surprised because it's a surprise. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> that oh boy. really perfectly describes sums up where we're at. Energy. Yeah, where yeah. we're at. Now we were talking about this case, and obviously for people who aren't familiar, do not worry. We will walk you through it every step of the way, like we always do. Now, of course, it is talking about the death of two very young ladies, uh, Abby Williams and Libby German. They were thirteen and fourteen at the times of their deaths, right? They were, yeah. Yeah. And we were thinking back because, you know, 
I always have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around when you think about those details. I'm like, where were we? What what were we doing when we were 13 and 14? And we were trying to kind of think of, because, and again, we'll get into the whole case, don't you worry, but they, of course, these two young ladies were, were walking in the woods, unfortunately, at the time of their of their disappearance slash murders. And I was trying to think, you know, I was like, is that young to be in the forest? Like, we were trying to think of context from our own lives, which made us remember that the, when we were those exact ages, you were 14 and I was 13, um, we did get dropped off at a public pool for a day. Yeah. And I will say, I remember vividly feeling like, feeling free in a way that I'd never felt before and terrified that there was no sort of supervision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, I, I'm fairly certain there were, it was like a mostly fenced in area. I think we got dropped off with like maybe just enough money to pay to get in. Yes. And then it was like, well, there you go. And I don't think up to that point I had ever done anything where it was like, here's money, go do whatever you want. So it was a real, it was a real trip. It was. what it was. Yeah. And listen, we were not the types to push it. We followed the rules. We did not leave those four fences. We were in there and then we were waiting at the gate when we were supposed to be waiting for Christy's dad. And then the real kind of takeaway I remember from this was that then he took us through the McDonald's drive-thru. And he got, I believe, a 20-pack of nugs and Mm -hmm. just dumped them in a bag, if I remember correctly. And we just (laughs) hand-fisted. Sorry. Choking on my own saliva. I'm talking about McNuggets. Obviously, I'm getting very, uh, I'm getting hungry. Um, But we just, we just like, you know, and that was the beginning of a beautiful tradition that you and I have. Yeah. Now, do you remember if there were fries involved? I don't feel like there were. My memory was that he just gave us a giant bag of nuggets and I was like, this is the best day of my life. (laughs) I, well, I think, and it kills me to say this about teenage years, back then, I think they didn't have the 20 packs yet. So I think he bought multiple of the smaller packs because nugget sizes have changed throughout the years. I vividly remember it being a 20, but you could be right. You could be right. Well, so I I wonder if that's why he tossed them in the bag. So it's not like, here's three boxes, figure it out. He was just like, dump it in, you roll the bag down, and then you hand them, you hand your little ponies their sack. And they just put on the feed feed. bag. Yeah, Yeah, the feed bag. But what's nice now is that we have kind of turned turned this into our own thing. Because to me, McDonald's never tastes better than when it's coming from a rolled down bag. Rolled down by one and only Christy Oxborough. Like, that's for me, like, we're in a car... And we've gone to a drive-thru or whatever, and she dumps some fries and dumps the nugs in the bag, and then she just rolls that bag down, and we just drive along. And I usually put a sweet and sour kind of in that little little hand part in the car. It fits there perfectly, and then you just... You dip and go. For some reason, that's just how it tastes. That's like how it tastes the best to me. Probably because it takes you back. Yeah. It takes me back. That's how you nostalgic nug. I nostalgic nug, nugstalgic. It's oh, a stretch. I, I liked that a lot, though. Oh, nostalgic Donalds. I'm pushing it. Oh, I'm pushing yeah. It. I like go back, go yep. back. Yep. 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 But you know, and it's interesting though that it does connect to that day because I really did feel kind of like exhilarated on that day because we were left alone. 
like kind of terrified but then ultimately like I felt very accomplished and, and independent that we had you know successfully had this time out in the world by ourselves which makes me sound like I was very sheltered and not the case but I do feel like my mother I, she's listening to this right now and I think it's safe to say that she would agree that she was a protective mother I didn't yes. put the word over before protective but that can be implied if you'd like to um but uh i i think she's gonna i'm gonna be getting a message right about now where she's like who left you alone at the pool where was i i'm i'm certain yeah. that that's gonna happen yeah but regardless uh it did tie to this food memory which is the the nugs in the bag which as you know has become one of our our signature you know sentimental moves and i do yeah. think that that is interesting you know kind of context when we start to think about this case and going into it because it's an interesting time in your life when you're a young lady and you're you know 13 14 and and not to quote Britney Spears, but you're not a girl. You're not yet a woman. <laughs> and I remember, but I but it does. Jokes aside, it does stick out to me in my memory as being like this was a big moment for me, anyway. So much so that I again remember virtually every detail. So I think it was like it was interesting to go down memory memory lane about that story in context of this case because I think it yeah. kind of gives us a little bit of context. You know, now granted, I I also will acknowledge that our experience when we were that age, which wasn't that long ago, it was, but you know, and, and, uh, you know, a teen now would be a very different experience, but I thought it was oh, an interesting yeah. thing to kind of reflect on when trying to get into the mindset of, of, uh, of this case and of, of our, our dear victims here. Yeah. I mean, we, I don't, I remember going to the pool. I remember like close my eyes. I can see what it looks like. I can see the layout but I don't remember much from being there. So I assume it was also just a very maybe like anticlimactic <laughs> trip to the pool because there just felt there was nothing. But I don't recall much independence going and do, just being dropped off before that. But I just right. feel like it was like my, my dad was probably told, take the girls to the pool. And he was just like, I'm not sitting at the damn pool. <laughs> And so here's the money. The joke is he easily could have just gone, like parked further in the parking lot, like way back, roll the seat back, nap it out. He may have. That's also possible. We also, I don't think, lived that far from the pool. So he also could have just gone home. But maybe to this day, my mother thinks <laughs> he went with us. It's more than possible. For context, too, it should be noted that Christy had older siblings too. So there was times where we yeah. were out but with older kids. This was this was just the first time in my memory that I can remember us being dropped in a public place just the two of us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know what? I think we did great. I think we did too. I remember everything about it too. I could tell you how it smelled. I could tell you I the layout of the pool. I can see it. I can see the chain link fence. I can see the whole thing. It was a, like a moment in my development, which sounds like bizarre, but it really, really was a huge moment for me. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately it's, it's just an interesting time. And it's that interesting time where you're, you know, experiencing independence and what that means and what that looks like. But then also, how does that feel? And, and you know, it's, it's uh, again, it's a tragic case. And, and we, we get uncomfortable about child deaths at the best of times and I think that this is me also like I think I just really internalized it I think that that's a time in my life that I remember so vividly I mean my memory in childhood is very good in general you know I'll say it I think this one really upset me this oh. case really upset me 
Yeah. Because I and I, and, it, and I I I mean I could go right now if I let myself into tears. But I think it's because I remember that that day so vividly with the two of us and it just it makes me it it upset me. It upset me very much. Just and 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 look and I think it's this is a good one to talk about which we will get into because there is so much that's unknown and it's unsolved for four years at this point and and we'll get into everything that that means and how frustrating it is but um so I think it's an important one to talk about but it's it's also like yeah this one really chills me it really it really upset me and I think it's because I saw myself I saw the two of us in these two girls I think that that's the bottom line that feels right not to mention uh it kind of feels almost like a preventable situation yeah you know so that could be part of it i mean the fact that the one was a redhead definitely uh doesn't help when you think think of us in our youth then it's like oh well yeah i was never that thin but that's not well no that's not true that's not true you're right you're right that was about the beginning of the end for me um (laughs) No, as, as far as thin. Yeah, I don't know. Just the images of these two girls. It's, it's really haunted me. And it, not to say that, that, I mean, so many of the cases haunt me. Dear listeners, don't worry. I'm haunted all the time by, by everything we yeah. talk about. But I don't know. This one, I think it really, yeah, I think I just look at them and I see us and it, it like really cuts me. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's just very upsetting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, again... I think it's partially because we don't really know what went down. Yeah. We know we know that there was a suspect and we know approximately what he looks like. We know what he sounds like. And then that's about it. And it's that whole like they live in a small town. Who knows? Like visiting my other set of grandparents. They lived in a very, very small town and out on a, on a farm and we could go walk for ages and it's like oh well they're out there somewhere there was no concern of it and I'm sure that was very similar to what the parents felt in this one whereas it was like this is a thing they do it's fine everybody's safe and it's just the one time that it wasn't right a safe thing and then we don't know what went down and that's part of it is because the police will not release everything that we would like them to they will they'll barely release anything for the record. Yeah. Um, but listen, we're, we're already dancing around it. So let's just get into it. Of course, we are talking about the Delphi murders. To give you some background, again, don't worry if you're unfamiliar. We're going to get into all of it. In February 2017, teenagers Abby Williams and Libby German were walking the High Bridge Trail near Delphi, Indiana, when they vanished. 22 hours later, their bodies were found less than one mile from their last known location. Police found found a recording on Libby's cell phone of the possible murderer. Yet despite having both audio and video of a suspect, the case remains unsolved. So who did Abby and Libby run into on the trail? Was it a drifter who saw a crime of opportunity? A Delphi resident who had been following them? Or maybe a familiar face that one of the families is trying to hide? Well done. Thank you. Always gotta tease it out. Absolutely. But yeah, so we, we, we've kind of, again, we've been, we've been, you know, dancing around this, but we're giving you some, some little details here and there, but that's kind of the, the broad strokes. And truthfully, you know, there's not a lot that's known. There's not a lot of information that's out there. There's lots of rumors. Uh, but, but, you know, Christy, I, I trust wholeheartedly with any true crime case. And so I look forward to uh, getting into it. 
seeing what you found since there is uh, very little that that has been released I I trust that that you've got some goods so let's get into it right away let's let's talk about Abby and Libby what do you got for me well we're just uh you know we're gonna get in I was very worried because as you said there is not a lot out there so I was very concerned it takes a lot of extra deep digging and then you're worried I'm not bringing enough new stuff that people expect from me so I raise myself up I have a I have a bar that I'm expecting to get to and uh, if I don't hit it oh I'm sick about it <laughs> so we're gonna hope for the best you're gonna do great bless you so Abigail Williams better known as Abby was born June 23rd 2003 Abby was active at school playing saxophone in the school band and playing on the volleyball team she was an avid reader who loved animals art and photography she enjoyed camping, swimming, and being outdoors. Liberty German, uh, also known as Libby, was born December 27th, 2002. She loved crafts, painting, and photography. She was an athlete who loved volleyball, softball, soccer, and swimming. Uh, the girls were both 8th graders who became close friends after being volleyball teammates the year before. For some reason, hearing this case, I just assumed that they were friends from, like, kindergarten. And I assume they knew each other. It's just they really became tight within like the last year. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I assumed that they had had a longer past as well. So that's interesting. So uh, February 13th is the day in question. Despite being a Monday, there was no school on February 13th, 2017. The school had an unused snow day and decided to give the students a three-day weekend. So with the Monday off from school, Abby and Libby had a sleepover on the Sunday night. And since it was unseasonably warm the next day, they decided to go to the Monon High Bridge Trail. Uh, They had permission to go to the bridge as long as they got themselves a ride there and back. Libby's older sister, Kelsey, offered to drive the girls to the trail. And Libby's father, Derek, offered to drive them home afterward. We will get further into this family. We will explain more of the dynamics there because there are a lot of people and a lot of things going on. Yes. So the Delphi Historic Trails are about 10 miles of trail that include eight miles of rural or like open space and like the forested wooded areas and two miles of urban street side trails. The main focus that day for Abby and Libby was the Monon High Bridge Trail, a 1.5 mile long trail that crosses Deer Creek. Known to the locals simply as High Bridge, the Monon Bridge is 63 feet high and 853 feet long. It is said to be the third highest railroad bridge in Indiana. Whoa. Uh, It was built in the 1890s and used until the 1980s but has long since been ignored, so some of the beams are broken and just straight out missing. Uh, Abby and Libby were dropped off at the trails at 1.35 p.m. by Libby's sister, Kelsey. Shortly after 2 p.m., Libby posted two photos on Snapchat, one of the high bridge and one of Abby walking on the high bridge near the end of the bridge, which leads to a dead end uh, at the top of a hill. It's approximately 1,800 feet from where they were dropped off to the Snapchat location, which is about like 0.34 miles or something. So I'm, I thought for some reason it was a lot further, but they could probably walk that in the distance of 
they got dropped off and then in the like 20 to 30 minutes immediately just kept walking did their photos right so 3 11 p.m libby's father derek german calls libby to let her know he's on his way to pick them up libby doesn't answer so derek arrives at the trail end minutes later and calls libby again once again no answer so derek calls libby's grandmother becky patty but in turn call uh she in turn calls libby's sister kelsey none of them have heard from libby they even call libby's mother carrie timmons who was living in kentucky at the time because they're like none of us have heard from her she they have done this trail before but they're always where they're supposed to be at the time they're supposed to be they've never they're never not there right it also should be noted that abby did not have a cell phone the family went to look for the girls, assuming that they were just somewhere in the trail area and that Libby's phone had just possibly died. When they still couldn't find the girls, the family assumed maybe they just walked home themselves. Abby's mother, Anna Williams, said, quote, neither of them had a good sense of direction, which is one of those moments where you're like, as a mother. <laughs> Thank you. We've all been waiting for it. If... My child, or multiple children, if I'm going to let them off into a space, am I going to do so when they don't have a great sense of direction? Well, also, into the forest, like into the woods. Yeah. It's, it's and listen, we're going to get into all of it, obviously, but one of my main things, and I know that I kind of alluded to this in our preamble, I don't know where I land on it because I understand that this was a very small town and I understand that there wasn't a lot to do there so that it's not abnormal that two teenage girls or, you know, they're not preteens, I guess, 13, 14, you're technically teenagers, but you know what I'm saying, young gals going off into the woods for a few hours. I don't know where I land on that. To me, the woods, the forest, that sounds... That sounds scary. I remember there being, you know, growing up for me, we there was like a wooded area behind uh, a place where we lived. And I remember my mom like not really wanting me back there. And I remember thinking to myself like, yeah, that's fair. Like, I just remember f- thinking at the time like, yeah, I get it. Like, I don't know. Uh, there's just something about the woods, the forest. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, we'll, we'll, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll begin to, you know, garner more opinions as we go on this. But the question obviously comes up again. Uh, the question comes up, which is, you know, how do we feel about two young gals just, you know, going alone into the woods unsupervised? Yeah, I mean, we all and this is this is going to be a throwback for uh, anyone who's gone that far back or that far that early in our podcast uh, yeah. history. We all know what happened to me when I went in the woods. <laughs> and the answer is we don't know what happened to me in those woods we don't we don't that is a callback to our halloween episode twisted tales i haven't listened to it it is but i don't know (laughs) it doesn't matter it's there i think it's it's episode six i don't know they'll find it i have faith in them so yeah the question is like why send them out there on their own and the answer uh seems to be delphi indiana has a population of about three thousand. So it's a smaller place. So the family probably felt fairly safe right. sending the kids out there. I think they'd done this multiple times before. So they were just like, it's fine. I have concerns not just about going off into the woods and who knows. My big concern is 
that is a very tall bridge that is somewhat rickety and there's like spaces in between the slats and some of them are broken and it's like I the idea of knowing that one of my children is walking on it no thank you like I just not interested yeah and then that's the other thing too like they're they were also specifically going to an area that has a very well-known danger zone which is that very high bridge and we know or having watched the one documentary Kelsey Libby's sister talked about you know Libby had no fear and she was so brave and she she did like to cross it and that you know Kelsey I believe had said that she crossed it with her because Libby wanted to do it but it's very very high and yes very very rickety falling apart it is not considered safe which is also another bigger question, which is, why don't you just, is anybody going to do anything about that? But I understand that, you know, infrastructure, uh, small towns, all those things. Yeah, and I want to make it clear, I'm not victim shaming either of the gals about going out into the woods at all. Right. I'm just saying, do we think that this is, you know, something that that uh, parental figures should have been encouraging? That's my question, you know. Uh, yeah, I will say, uh, in my research within the last couple of evenings, they are, uh, they got a state grant for quite a chunk of money and they are looking into repairing that bridge. Oh, well, that's great. That feels like it should be done. Yeah. Uh, well, especially if kids are just drawn to it anyway. Yeah. I just know, like, I have such a big fear of heights. Um, so I know I personally couldn't do it. But also the fact that not only is it rickety, not only do you have to make sure, like, watch your stepping, so you're always looking down, which is the thing you don't really want to do when you're in an insane height. But it's also like an almost 900-foot-long bridge. So long. once once you get going, well, good luck, Buttercup. Keep going. You, got, you can't just easily turn around and go back the other way because you're freaking out, which is how I would handle the situation I wouldn't even make it I'd get to the edge and just go I'm good and See, that's and it I, heights don't bother me but I think that one I'd be like I'm gonna pass I mean it's when you see yeah. the when you see the images of it and stuff like that it's it's extreme it's not that's not for the faint of heart so yeah interesting but it's good to know that they're they're the the state is going to hopefully get it fixed up so that if nothing else hopefully it's just safer yeah yes okay so moving on so the girls, no one's heard a thing. Family is out ch- looking around for them. So the sun, because of keep, keep in mind again, it's February, so it's still technically winter. Uh, it was just a very nice day at this point, which is why they were just in like little hoodies because it was a beautiful day. The sun set around 5 p.m., which worried the families. Uh, so they notified police at 5.30 so that a larger search could begin. Abby's mother, Anna Williams, said that Libby was afraid of the dark. So once it got once it started to get dark outside and the girls still hadn't shown up, she said, quote, that was the moment I knew something was wrong. I'm not, you know, uh, saying anything to her about that. I just I feel like if my kids were supposed to be somewhere at three. And it's four and they're not there. Even if it's 3.30 and they're not there, I'm like, oh, that's not good. Something's wrong. If it's four and they're not there I'm, and I can't get a hold of them, then I'm freaking out. And if it, like, I'm not waiting till 5.30. I'm not waiting till it's dark and then I'm like, oh, okay, then there's a real problem. 
It's also interesting to me because watching the documentary, there was many references about Libby being fearless. Okay, that it was like she wasn't yeah. scared of anything. She was fearless. She was fearless. But then there was all of these references to her being a, being afraid of the dark. And th- again, this is not no shade at all. I'm afraid of the dark openly. But it's just interesting to me, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but it's just interesting to me how the family has portrayed her and how the family talks about things and stuff like that because it was just weird to me. Like, why go out of your way to create this narrative that she was unworldly brave, not scared of anything at all, and then be like, well, yeah, but she had this one huge fear, and when she didn't come home and it was dark, I knew there was a problem. It's just odd to me. Because also, like, no no child of that age should need to be unworldly brave. You know what I mean? Like, she, there, there shouldn't be an expectation that she would be unworldly brave. But, again. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There, there could have been many reasons for being afraid of the dark. But I just found it interesting that that was, like, their key. Where they're like, oh, yeah, okay, that means something's wrong. I'm like... Whereas I would think maybe things would be wrong if they're not there earlier. Yeah. I mean, I did I did read that uh, Libby had a habit of running away sometimes. Oh. So maybe it's, I could not confirm it, but maybe that's why they were like, you know what? She's just done that again. She'll be back by dark because, you know, she hates the dark. And then when she wasn't back by dark, they were like, ooh, okay, maybe she's not just running away like she normally would. Well, that's some good insight. That's good to know. That's interesting. Okay, interesting. So they got the police in on the search. Volunteers came in to help them out. The short-lived search was called off by the Carroll County Sheriff, quote, due to darkness. But the sheriff said that there is no, quote, Reason to suspect foul play. Don't worry, his next quote is basically the opposite. Yeah, I'm sure. So at this point, it's too dark. They tried seeing, they couldn't find anything. So they're like, okay, you know what? We're just going to have to try again in the morning. Hope for the best. At this point, we, there, there's nothing could be wrong. Everything's going to be fine. So the next day, which is February 14th, 2017, uh, the search resumed in the morning Hundreds of volunteers came out to comb the area. There were canine units, dive teams, and the FBI. Crews were being sent out like 10 to 12 people at a time to cover an area of like 20 to 25 square miles. At 12.15 p.m., volunteers found the bodies of Abby and Libby on the edge of a private property belonging to a man named Ron Logan. More on Ron later on. Thank you. It was a wooded area approximately 50 feet from the north bank of Deer Creek and half a mile east of the Monon Bridge. The police announcement at the time, quote, we have not made positive identification of the bodies and we're investigating this as a crime scene. However, we do suspect foul play because of the nature of the bodies. Now, what I like about the freedom of this microphone, dear listeners, is when I have something that I feel is like something maybe you haven't heard, I can really get in. Heck yeah. According to journalist J. Kyle Keener, 
who was on the scene at the time, quote, from 75 yards away, I could see girls' clothing in Deer Creek, east of the bridge, and knew full well that the girls were found nearby. Interesting. Because the police are not really being very forthcoming with a lot of the info. We will shortly get into all of the info that the police have released. I'm also going to try and play a sound clip. It's not going to work, but bless my heart, I'm going to try. I love it. <laughs> but we, I, we'll get into that. So, again, that was the first time I had heard somebody on the ground was like, you know what? You could see clothing in the creek, which I felt was interesting. So, crime scene. Now, again, for anyone who isn't familiar with this case, the police have released very little. Just very little on what they've actually found. Uh, No autopsy has ever been released, which is one of the first times for us, I think, in a case where there has been someone who has died and there is a body, but no autopsy. I feel Uh, like the only other time I can think of is Washington insider murder. That's right, because they purposely held that. Yeah. For their own reasons, which... They claim to have reasons in this, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. No. To me. Not at this point, no. So at this point, we still don't know, even though it's been over four years now, we don't know the official cause of death. So everybody online is speculating about what they think it could be, because obviously there are volunteers there who found the the girls. There were people who, like, heard from them, and it's just, who knows how much of it is true. Uh, But we'll get into a little bit of both of it at some point. Um, But just to get an idea to help set the scene, some quotes said by police officers and different FBI agents and investigators who were on the scene at the time. The scene was was quoted as being the epitome of evil. Uh, One officer said, in my 35 years, I've never experienced anything quite like it. Another agent said, it was horrible and those are the things that stay in your mind. Quote, The crime scene was nothing like the murders I've ever encountered before. There's a lot more physical evidence at the crime scene. It's probably not your normal, a person was killed here crime scene. That's probably all I can say about that. Which I find interesting that they're, again, it feels like they're kind of teasing a little bit that like, it's big people. I just can't say is, you know, how it kind of comes across. Yeah. There was another that said many of the crime scene things that we won't speak about point to a signature that the killer left behind. So the police haven't released very much info about the crime scene. But the question is, Christy, how much have they released? Well, I'm glad I asked. February 15th, 2017, day after the bodies were found, the police released a very grainy photo of a man that said he was a person of interest who had come to be known as Bridge Guy. Yeah. Police refused to say where they got the photo from. People speculated it was like a trail camera. Uh, But they were just said, it's not a suspect. It's just someone we'd like to talk to. So then a week goes by and February 22nd, police release an audio clip to go along with the previous photo. In the clip, a man is heard saying, down the hill. 
Now, I know I said I was going to do an audio clip. There is a slight extended version of it that the police will mention later that I will bring up shortly. And that's when I'm going to magically play it and our editor will do his best and make it seem more seamless than my elderly ass will do. Well, we'll see. Yeah, well, who knows? So they've released this clip. The man says, down the hill. Now, a lot of people, when they talk about this clip, they're like, oh, he's demanding them. He's ordering them down the hill. He's like angry about it. But to me, he sounds like really just calm and normal. Like to me, everyone is like, oh, he's going down the hill. But when I hear it, I hear, oh, down the hill. Like I hear it as a very toned, like a, a more relaxed than what I feel. I agree. Everybody is. Yeah, I, I, mean, I agree with you. Police also reveal that the audio and the previously released photo were both found on Libby's cell phone. The location of the phone has been heavily debated. Sources claim the phone was found at the bridge. The lead investigator, one Mr. Indiana State Police First Sergeant Jerry Holman, I wanted all of it in there to let we let you know he wasn't just some lackey on this case. He was the big cheese. He stated that the phone was found with the girls at the crime scene. Interesting. Which I found interesting because the thing I, the, I believe the documentary that I watched for this said it was found at the bridge. I it thought. was, yeah. But, but, you know, I'm sure they f- fact check that and I just, I, I go, I'm going with the lead investigator on this. That's sure. what he said. Unless they have since come out and changed their minds on that. Well, again, you know, there's so little information that's been released that it's there's so much misinformation that's floating around because it's, you know, people want to speculate, people want answers, et cetera. Um, so it's 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 hard to know what the truth is. But I agree with you. I would probably err on the side of the lead investigator for sure on that. Oh, I uh, I kind of have to run with it because it feels right. Yeah. February 24th, 2017, uh, police admit that they found DNA at the crime scene. They will not say what that DNA is or how they got it. They have said that they have fast-tracked it at a lab, which I find interesting because, again, I just want more information, and it's killing me that they just won't give me yeah. the damn information that I'm looking for. I know. You know. And, you know, obviously this is taking place, as you've mentioned before, in a town of 3,000. It's a small community. Um, and we'll get into more of this, I'm sure, later. But but the police, you know, if you've watched the documentary as well, you know, they they, they kind of like taunt that it's like they believe that <laughs> she has pulled the microphone out of its casing. This is amazing. She's gone full Oprah. I could not be happier. And in the fact that it <laughs> happened as I was glancing away speaking and then I turned back and she's... <laughs> She's like Celine Dion my, with her microphone in a cord. It's amazing. My my hand was getting a little uncomfortable holding it. And then I was like, I'd like to switch hands. And then uh, I realized I can't do that nicely because if I turn the microphone, it's going to sound like I'm drowning. Um, <laughs> sure. And to which people are like, oh, I'm sure it won't sound that different if you turn the microphone. And dear people, maybe... Give a listen back to that tsunami episode. (laughs) (laughs) That, you know, I was, I was a baby. And now, after this, you you know, like, you are, you are a full 
woman reporting live from the scene, which I love. But yes, to your point, it's, you yeah. know, the police seem to be kind of taunting that they believe that the the killer uh, is is someone in the community. Uh, again, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into more of, of the suspects that you found later. But but it's odd to me that they've come forward saying they have this DNA. Because if you have DNA, you know, it, then you get your case. Like, like you know, and I, I was talking about, you know, I remember when I was living in Toronto when I was in my early 20s and there was a terrible, terrible case. The names are eluding me at this very moment. I apologize. But it was the death of a, of a young child. It was awful. And now I understand that this was a different time a different place but uh you know they basically the police went door to door in the neighborhood where this this young young child went missing and they they said this is what's happened there's been a crime would you like to offer your dna would you like to help the case would you like to offer your dna and guess what people did i would say the majority of 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 the males in that area did offer up their DNA because they knew that they had nothing to hide. It wasn't going into a larger database or, or anything like that. It was more just trying to, and it was through that kind of tracing and then looking at the people who were refusing to give their DNA that they did catch her killer very quickly, which was amazing at the time. Now, again, I'm sure that there's many debates about, you know, whether or not, uh, what have you. But But my whole point is, is that I'm not saying that you even have to demand it from people. I'm saying if you have a town that's that small, why not get that going? Have people volunteer it. Say, listen, this is what's going on. There's there's DNA we found at the scene. These are two young ladies that have been killed in this terrible way. I bet you that that most of the people in that community would have come forward and said, heck yeah, I'll, I'll give you my DNA. And, and, and they, I don't know. I mean, th- this is... It's hard not to get infuriated by this case because there's just so many unanswered questions that make no sense. So anyway, I, I also, for the record, and I know I'm jumping ahead already, but I'm already questioning. I'm like, do they have DNA? Are they just saying that? Because if they did, how after four years has there been nothing? It's just, it's, it's, it's a, again, like this one, this is the one that's going to haunt me. This is the one that's going to keep me up at night for whatever reason, but it just is. Anyway. Well, because you've, mentally associated the girls with us from our youth yeah yeah so yeah yeah. but i mean hey maybe the police will give this a listen look into the suspects that i talk about that i don't think they've looked into yet some they have some i don't think they have well i like Um, the sounds of that and so the point is if they want an assist i won't even ask for credit we don't want the credit. We just want the crime right. solved for we the love. Want them, we want them solved. We I want the justice. Want so badly to get on here and just go update. Yes. You and me both, baby. It's all we want. Anyway, okay, okay. so they've come forward. They've said they have DNA, but they won't say what yeah. it is. And to this day, 20, you know, four years later, there has not been any arrests made on the DNA. So, right. So, March 17th, 2017. Police, like this is about a little over a month after the discovery of the bodies, police obtain a search warrant for the house and vehicle belonging to Ron Logan. Ron Logan, you may recall, is the gentleman who owns the property where the girls were found. Now, um, after they searched his property for two days after they found the body, but they had to wait uh, to get a search warrant to be able to search his vehicle and his home. Ron Logan had just been released from jail for violating probation after being arrested for a DUI 
three years before. Police have announced that Ron Logan is not a suspect. I also don't think so either. He's, forgive me, Mr. Logan, but he's more about booze. Mm. You know, so I don't think it's Well, did they DNA test him? I I want to believe when they say he is not a suspect, I want to believe that they looked into DNA. I mean, that, that is my that would that be my, my personal hope. Good God! So July seventeenth, twenty seventeen, four months after all of this has gone down, police officially release a sketch of the suspect in the murders of Abby and Libby. Yes, we will post it on True Crime and Cocktails on Instagram on Facebook. And I'm sure it'll be there in our virtual case file at truecrimeandcocktails.com. Thank you. It is so much more natural to say that when you're holding a microphone. Let me tell you that, folks. You're coming alive in a way that I've never seen and I'm very supportive of. Just know that. I, well, there's no doubt in my mind that you would be supportive. I may have heavy-handed that vodka. That may have been more of a glug-glug instead of just a like a scotch, like a splash that I was going for. This isn't a pit, have... this isn't a peck of vodka. This is like a full tongue kiss. I get you. <laughs> yes. That is probably how Blanche would put it. Yeah. So that feels right. Um, oh boy, we're gonna get to this section quicker than I expected. That's so, okay. April twenty seventh April twenty second, twenty nineteen. Now keep in mind, July of twenty seventeen, the police released their first sketch families spend years like for pushing that sketch out there getting it out as far as they can they mailed them to like sheriff offices around the entire country trying to push this sketch so april 22nd 2019 which is we're about like 18 months later uh police hold a press conference to say that they are taking a quote new direction with the case Police release a second sketch, which looks considerably younger than the first sketch. I mean, the first one, he's got like a hat on. He's got facial hair. He looks like a 40-some-year-old man. The second sketch, he's young. He's clean-shaven. He looks about 18, 19 years old. Right. So I find it insane that they're that different. So the families at this point are super pissed because they've spent the last year and a half shoving this sketch out there only to have police be like, Ooh, I think we changed our minds. Some of this was based on the fact that there were witnesses in the park in and around the same time or at the trail, I should say, who saw a man dressed similar to the photo. And that's the face they remember. So these are the sketches. Uh, This is how they're getting these sketches. And I'm just, I think it was Libby's grandmother, Becky, who said when you lay the sketches over top of each other, it looks like the same man just in different years of his life. So she's like, it is, they have a similarity to them. And it's like, sure, but it still feels like a real slap in the face to suddenly after over a year be like, oh, okay, no, we're going to say he looked more like this. So at the same time, uh, police also release a short video of the suspect walking It's like a three-second maybe clip where he takes only like two or three steps in the hopes that the public would notice something in his mannerisms and maybe his gait, just kind of the way he moves. Then police really pushed that they were like, well, it's uh, 
Too bad you paid for the whole seat because you're only going to need the edge. Like the police went above and beyond being like, we've got something. We are going to blow your socks off. It is so intense. You're not going to believe it. We have extended audio from Libby's phone and they build it up and they build it up and they build it up and then they play that extended audio and it literally adds the word guys. I know. And that's it. They made it sound like one of the girls was going to scream the name of the person who it was. You know, like they made it sound like this is it. This is somebody who's going to like, this is going to be the key thing. And then it was literally the word guys. So the clip now says guys down the hill. There is a brief moment between guys and down the hill. Now I have gone on the FBI website. Oh, no. Of course you have. When I click onto it, first thing that opens up, Funko Pops on Target. (laughs) (laughs) That checks out. (laughs) That does check out. Now I'm going to do my best to play this for the dear people. And uh, hopefully, if I don't suck too badly at this, then uh, hopefully it's going to work out. But, uh, oh, heaven help me here. It plays a couple of times, but we're just going to see what happens. I don't know how well we got that. The point is, maybe we can add it in after. I don't know how that. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I think so also it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't great, but you know what? Okay. I think that the good thing that, that that can be taken from that is yeah. that you can hear that that of whatever video Libby apparently took on her cell phone at the time, all yeah. they are releasing, all that they had released prior to 2019 was down the hill, and then the additional was guys. That was the additional kind of thing. So so in terms yeah. of what the police have released to the public, it's so minimal. And I have yeah. so many questions. You know, again, four years later, no arrests being made, seemingly no leads. Sh- give us more from whatever this video was. You know, it's 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 odd to me that they've they're they're cutting and pasting it, they're Frankensteining it and putting it out there. It's really weird. I agree. What kills me is when everybody talks about this, they're like, well, it says guys down the hill. I'm like, it doesn't. It says guys. And then there is like a warble in there of like a word or two is said that we can't quite make out. And then it says down the hill. So there is wording in there. It also like from the sounds of it, it was probably like a little breezy. And they're like up on top of this like super high uh, train bridge. So like you're not going to get the clearest audio regardless but the point is, I just find it fascinating that people are like, well, it says guys down the hill. It doesn't. There are words that they're purposely keeping out that I want to know why. I know that they are keeping stuff out because they have said the more information you put out there, the more you get all the crackpots that come out of nowhere that are like, you know what? I did it. And then you get all these false confessions and then find out, oh, they were they were just doing it because this is what crazy people do i don't know but then to that i say but if they have dna then bring the false confessions because they just need to dna swab any of them and then they'll have again i am skeptical that they have this dna that they claim to it just seems so odd to me 
And I understand, I get early on, you don't want to release a lot of details at the beginning for a multitude of reasons. But And I said this to Christy earlier when we were talking about this. We've covered a lot of cases at this point in true crime and cocktails history. And I, this is the, we've never seen a case have the police be more tight-lipped than this one. It, it, after yeah. four years with no leads, no arrests, nothing on the horizon, it just seems, and and the claim that they do have DNA, it just seems bizarre to me that they are being that precious, keeping everything secret. I think that they are lying. I think that there is something that they are lying about because there's just no other justification. If they didn't have DNA, yeah, okay, then then what they're saying makes sense, that they don't want to yeah. give this information because of false confessions. They want to make sure that they have details that only the killer would know, etc. I get that. But if they do have DNA that they claim to, it just blows that out of the water. So I, I don't know. To me, it's just screaming that there is there is something that that they are either lying about or that they that they know and they're they're being you know coy about because they're. I mean, I don't know whether they're closer to something than you would think. But again, I just don't understand. DNA is like it's it's you know whether it's. You know, I mean, look, I don't want to jump ahead because I know we have we, we you have lots of, of, of suspects we're going to talk about. But, you know, is it that it's the DNA of a family member? And then there, the argument would be, well, there could be DNA from a family member on one of them if it was a hair because it's a family member. You know, is it one yeah. of those kinds of situations where that's the reason why they have to be very tight lipped? Because that would make sense to me. Um, but again, to me, it's just a huge clue is my point in terms of pointing the finger at who did this, that the police are still holding on to all this information. Because again, traditionally, I mean, if you're a true crime fan in general, you you would probably know that, that this is not normal. It's not normal after four years for them to be hanging on to this much information as a secret. Yeah. Like even especially like how they were, how yeah. they died is, a, is an unusual thing. There is something later on I will get into again about, how they potentially died but it's just it's so crazy that they're like nope we can't we won't even mention that I know and then I'm going rogue we talked about this briefly earlier yeah but the one thing that bumped me and I know it's like really Lauren that's where you're going the one thing that bumped me because they 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 showed these the first sketch that came out in 2017 and they were putting these sketches out absolutely everywhere prior to that they had been making these missing signs about the two girls. And one of the details that they put on the missing signs about Libby. So so they they said that both Libby and Abby were five foot four. But they listed their weights. They listed Libby's weight at 200 pounds and Abby's weight at 100 pounds. Now we're gonna I'm sure we'll post we'll post a picture of, of Abby and of Libby. Course. It 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 bumped me because I was like, hold on a second. I was like, that little girl does not weigh 200 pounds. And I want to preface this by saying 200 pounds is not a negative. That's not a that's not a dirty word to me. I'm not suggesting that there's anything negative about that. But it bumped me because I was like, it's just she 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 just isn't like she's she's little like it it, it would not. Again, I, I don't want anyone to be offended by by any of the, the, the way I'm talking about this. I just think it's an interesting thing and important to bring up because where did they get that information from the family, right? So it's not like if girls go missing, they like call the doctor and they're like, what was the exact last weight that these girls came in at? 
No, the police go to the family and they say, give us these kind of identifying features. And whoever they spoke to in Libby's family said she's five foot four and 200 pounds. And I'm telling you, she wasn't. It's it's she just wasn't. Look at a picture of her. Like, again, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with everybody is who they are. There's beauty in, in every size. This is this is not a judgment on any either side. But it just again, and I, I, I plant this seed because I know that we're going to talk about suspects coming up, and I obviously have some very strong opinions that I've been alluding to in the past 10 minutes, but it's just, it's just, I think it's important to note because I was like five foot four, 200 pounds, that just, it just, that's not, that's just not what her frame was. She was a, you know, she was a, you know, little girl. Like it, it just, she wasn't a hundred pounds more than Abby. You can see pictures of them side by side. That's a good way of judging. And basically the yeah. suggestion that, that she was that size. I mean, it just, to me, it bumped me. I was like, that's a clue in of itself. Why is her family saying that that was her weight when it clearly wasn't? Who published that? Do you know what I mean? Like there's, and again, you know, those were posters that were going up absolutely everywhere. I don't know. And I'll, I'll get into, as we continue to talk about the suspects, because, you know, we, you and I have talked about it a little bit, what my yeah. theories are about that and why I think it's relevant. But I just think it is important to note, it just was interesting to me. Again, because this case is shrouded in so much mystery and there's so little that we yeah. know. There's so few details. I'm like, but the one detail that we know is that that, that little girl did not weigh 100 pounds more than her friend that she was next to. Am I, am I right or am I wrong? Uh, no, I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, she, again, we saw, especially there is a specific photo of them that we will post. And uh, not to be a braggart, but I'm going to post that and I'm going to post those missing posters because I've got it all, baby. Yeah, 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 you do. Sorry, it's... I love it. Hold, when you I hold the it. microphone a certain way... Everything's gone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there was a picture I showed you. I think it was last night. And seeing them side by side, you're like, oh, okay. They aren't nearly as different as people kept trying to make it seem. There's no way she's twice the size of the other one. You know, no. like it's it's such a weird, weird thing. And you could and it, be onto something about it being a possible clue. And it's to... just mentioned so many times in in the stuff that I've I've read and stuff like that. It was a point that was made in different ways. Again, we'll, we'll get more into this yeah. later, but I just think it's important to note. Also, as a quick aside, like, look, it's also like insane to me that this is like a, a constant theme in this case is like what the weight of this little girl is. Like, how disgusting that that is even a part of of the conversation that. Yeah. was being had in the ways that it was being had in, in terms of, of the details of this. And again, I just want to stress that I'm not suggesting that there would be anything wrong with anybody being any weight. That's not my implication at all. For me, it was more, why is she being labeled as being something that's just not true? It's just not true. Why is that? Why It would be the same if it went the other way. I would point it out the same way. Like, wait a minute, why are you saying she weighs 50 pounds when clearly she's five foot four and she's you know 14 like she doesn't weigh 50 pounds it would go either way it's like yeah. why are you just stating stating something that isn't true and again the fact that it has become such a such a weird detail of this is well first of all again i i would say misogyny but second of all also i just think it's important to note as we move forward into these suspects because again i have my own very strong opinions 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, she just wasn't. She just wasn't. And that's the oh, point, liked, is that it's like, it like wasn't, that. it wasn't like, yeah, it's, she just wasn't. It's just a fact. It's like, is it, it's black or white. It was, it was not. She just wasn't. So again, I think that that's important to keep in mind. That being said, let's take a quick break, refresh your drink, get ready, because when we come back, we're going to talk about all of the suspects that Christy has managed to find in this Delphi murders, Snapchat murders case, the Patreon's poll pick here on True Crime and Cocktails, famous fatalities edition. What's up, everybody? Lauren Ash here. Now, if you listen to our podcast regularly, you probably know that we love to talk about therapy. I've been to a lot of it myself, and I recommend it to literally everybody. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp assesses your personal needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect with that therapist in a safe and private online environment, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours from when you sign up. Now, to be clear, this is not a crisis line. This is not a self-help tool. This is professional counseling done securely online. You're going to be able to message your counselor anytime and you'll get thoughtful and timely responses back. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without having to leave your home. Now, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating a great therapeutic match for you. So they've made it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. This is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. The service is available for clients all around the world, which is great because it doesn't limit you to connecting with a counselor located in your area. Obviously, anything you share is completely confidential, and I encourage you to check out the testimonials they post on their website. It should also be noted that so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So awesome. So I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com cocktails. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash cocktails. Welcome back to True Crime and Cocktails, famous fatalities edition. We are talking about the Delphi murders. When we left off, we were alluding that we were about to get into suspects. So, Christy, let's let's just dive right in. Obviously, a lot of mystery shrouding this case, uh, but I know that you've got a long list of suspects here that we're going to get through. So let's talk about them. So police, again, have released very little. We got that. We got the two sketches we got a very short, under five second long video clip and the very, very brief audio. Obviously, that wasn't enough to catch the perp, if I may. Thank you, you may. So the description that the police have put out is white male, 5'6 to 5'10, 180 to 220 pounds, red brown hair, approximately 18 to 40 years old. So... There's a range there. Pretty wide, yeah. Yeah. I also do want to admit, police uh, have admitted they secured additional evidence from the phone of that belonged to Libby, but they won't release it as to not, quote, compromise the future trial. Yeah. I'm, but how is there going to be a trial if you don't catch this person? That is a great point. It's maddening. It's just um, maddening. So we've got a description do we have any gentlemen or just straight out demons who match that? <laughs> I realized calling them gentlemen. Richard Ramirez? Be... Yeah. Oh, God. That, what, a, what a gift. Uh, anyone who matches that description? And the answer is heck yeah, we do. I knew it. Number one, 
We have a guy named Paul Etter. Okay. A search warrant was issued for 55-year-old Paul Etter for rape, attempted rape, criminal confinement, and sexual battery, and two counts of kidnapping. On June 22nd, 2019, a 26-year-old woman pulled into Etter's driveway with a flat tire. When he asked if she needed help, she felt he was a little bit sketchy, uh, so she said no, and she left his driveway and drove down the road a bit to the neighbor's house. He, of course, followed her, uh, got her out of her vehicle, put her in handcuffs, took her to a barn where he shackled her ankles and chained her to a desk, sexually assaulted her, and then let her go. She, of course, goes to the police. But while she's doing that, the same day this goes on, Paul Etter posts on his Facebook account, quote, extremely intoxicated. The devil was with her driving her wrecked car with only two tires remaining. I asked her if she needed assistance and the devil came unto me. I apologize to my friends, community, law enforcement, and especially my family for creating this incident. I am only a danger to myself now. So this happened June 22nd. June 27th, there's a five-hour standoff between Paul Etter and police. It ends with Etter committing suicide. Police are still investigating him to see if he has anything to do with the Delphi murders. They have requested autopsy results and DNA samples to be able to compare them to their investigation. Apparently that kind of thing takes some time. His name was given through the tip line that police had put out after Delphi murders had happened. Yeah. Also worth noting that on February 15th, which would be the day after Abby and Libby's bodies were found, Paul Etter, once again on Facebook, posted on the wall of Libby's cousin Kyle to say, quote, the sheriff suggested that things have been happening in the Delphi area the past few months. Any idea what he's referring to? Shut up. I mean. Okay. So, I mean, I will post photos of all of these guys um, so you can decide whether you feel like they look similar or not. I'm not sure I think he looks similar, but it's just, he's not, there's something not right about him. And he's capable, is my point. But he's obviously worry. capable. Yeah. And the other just thing I wanted to say very quickly is, yeah. I know, and I hope I'm not stepping on things you were going to say already but I do know that in some of the reading that I had done there was some theories that were not substantiated but there was a couple of barns on the on the property of Ron Logan and there was some speculation did something happen to Abby and Libby in one of those barns and then their bodies got moved again that was I think refuted but it is interesting that with with this Paul Etter character, we know that he did assault a woman in a barn. So that does yeah. feel like a similar M.O. Um, that's wild. That Facebook thing is wild. Yeah. And again, if if this person, if he is potentially our, our scumbag, yeah, we wh- wh- what do we need to do to get this DNA? It's been two years. Let's yeah. go. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't have good answers for that, but I would like to believe, I assume that it takes some sort of, like, legal battle that they have to get it. Maybe they have to go to, like, his next of kin or something to be able to get access to it. I'm not sure. Yeah. But the point is, 
he's a contender. Absolutely. If our dear listeners are like, oh, I'm not sold on him. Don't worry. We got more. More options. Let's go. Number two, Daniel J. Nations. 35 years old. He is a registered sex offender following an, an indecent exposure incident. Nations was brought to the police's attention due to his eerie similarity to the first sketch that was released. Okay. Nations was re- arrested in September 2017 in Colorado for threatening strangers on a trail with a hatchet. Okay. He was sentenced to three years probation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Nations uh. was questioned by police during which they obtained a sample of his DNA. In February 2018, police said that Nations was no longer considered an active person of interest in the Delphi case. But he should be there, just in case. I would like them to have more options than not. I would also like, if he's been exonerated by DNA, then say his DNA has exonerated him. Why again? I am so skeptical about this DNA because, again, if DNA is present, again, and for any of you listeners, I hope at home you're cheering me on right now. We all know when we follow these cases, you know, again, we're not experts. We're we're learning this as we go, but we learn the different kind of ways that this is talked about and the ways that police act. And if, if he was exonerated by DNA, they would say... In, our, in my experience, anyway, in my knowledge of true crime, they would say he is no longer considered a person of interest. His DNA has exonerated him. But the fact that they aren't saying that, to me, again, is sketchy. It makes me feel like they don't actually have the DNA. Agreed. And just, just, a, just like a little tidbit for you. Please. I, I put these suspects... Not specifically in a certain numerical order, but I saved my favorites for the end. So oh. the last, the so if these ones are like, okay, just wait. When we get to the last couple, you're going to be like, shut up. Which, <laughs> which oh, is I my, cannot wait. Which is my favorite thing in the world. Also, the fact that I, every once in a while, hear you from the other room. God, I just... I miss you even when we're together. I know. I know. You're so close. You're so far away. I know. So true. Suspect number three, 53-year-old Thomas Bruce. He's a former pastor who shot one woman and sexually assaulted two others at a St. Louis Catholic supply store in November of 2018. What stood out here is the fact that during the attack... Bruce wore a flat top cap and navy blue jacket, both of which were very similar to what the suspect was wearing in the photo that the police had released for the Delphi case. Yes. There is no word if police have even looked into him yet or not, but in December 2018, he was charged with first degree murder, three counts of sodomy, three counts of kidnapping, one count of burglary, one count of tampering with evidence, and eight counts of armed criminal action. His trial starts in August of 2021. Interesting. So, he's not off the table for me. Absolutely not. Next up, this feels like a really gross version of the dating game. 
I want to say. Yeah. Like, and who do we, what bachelor do we have behind door number three? That's our killer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We've got, police got a lot, a lot of tips on 44-year-old Charles Eldridge. He was arrested in January 2019 during a sting operation when he had a sexual conversation with a detective who was posing as a 13-year-old girl. Okay, here we go. Eldridge was charged with child molestation and child solicitation. The public named him because of his similarity to the first sketch that the police had put out and the fact that he was known for just going and hanging out in the woods. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, that, yeah, feels like an important thing to note. Yeah, however, according to the police, there is no evidence connecting Eldridge to the Delphi murders. They say he is not a suspect at this time, but there are certain names that I'm like, I have to say them. Because if I don't, the people are going to be like, well, this one mentioned this person. How did Christy not find that person? And to that I say, she did. Of course you did. Of course you did. And also, yeah, yeah, I feel like this is, yeah, I I feel like that's a worth, that's worth noting. For sure. Just, just so you know, these next three, if, if I have to have favorites, they're favorites of mine. In the scumbag way. Yes. 44-year-old Kevin Hockenberry, described as 5'9", 240 pounds, brown hair. All checking the boxes of all the description the police gave. Yes. Family have said he owns a jacket similar to what Bridge Guy is wearing in the Delphi photos and that he walks with a similar gait. At the time of the murders, he was living in Mercer County, Illinois... Uh, which is approximately 300 miles from Delphi. Okay. And at the time, he was an over-the-road driver for a national transportation company. So being further away, I don't feel is that big of a deal. Yeah. Hockenberry's brother, Mark, made a public Facebook post claiming that the whole family feels that Kevin is the bridge guy. Jesus! The problem is, his brother, Mark has a history of lying to the police. Ah, Mark. So, yeah, so it's like, ah, we don't know if we trust him or not. Yeah. Hockenberry is currently incarcerated for sex crimes against his wife's special needs daughter, which occurred in April 2019. Again, no word if police are actually looking into him, but they should be. Yes. Also, I, by the way, if he mm-hmm. is guilty of that crime, yeah, there is a special place. That's all I gotta say. Hundred percent. There's a special place for all of them, but mm-hmm. I can't even go there. Yeah, I can't even go there about yeah. that. I just wanted just just to add like a. I built the cake. I just want to lightly dust it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to let mm-hmm. you know of that it's going to taste like monster. I don't know if that... <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. I agree yeah. with what you're saying. And all I, I'm just saying, again, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's certain yeah. things that are untouchable to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's certain yeah. things that are untouchable. 
Oh yeah, that's this one guy, of them. That's that's yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, I mean, I knew saying it uh, was gonna. I could have just said daughter and left it at that, but that wouldn't be all the facts. You're giving all the facts, which I think is important. I think it also is important in uh, painting the picture of who this person is. Again, he at at this point has not been, um, you know, charred or sorry, has not been found guilty of that. But again, the fact that that is, you know, if if that happens again, again, special place, special place. Uh, Now, this one, I'm going to I'm going to say a lot of names at you. Okay. But don't worry, I'm going to hold your hand the whole way and walk you through it. I trust you. 22-year-old Garrett Kurtz okay. was a friend of a cousin of Libby's named Michaela. But they had some sort of falling out in January 2017, less than a month before the murders. I'm sorry, Garrett and Michaela had the falling out? Yes, they got did. it. The two, as much as I know, Garrett and Libby have never met, but I don't know if I'm convinced of that. I'm listening. Kurtz was arrested in March of 2019 for the murder of a woman named Nicole Bowen. Kurtz said that he, quote, intended to kill Bowen for allegedly revealing a meth operation that Kurtz was involved with. He strangled Bowen in a trailer and then took her body to a hunting shack and left it there just for someone to find later on. Uh, he has since been sentenced to 55 years for her murder. Oh my God. Okay. So what does this Kurtz fella have something to do with Delphi? Yeah. And I would like to point out that my notes said fellow holding on to this mic, feeling the heat of that ring light fella came out. So that's uh-huh. where... That's where I'm at. Absolutely. So one thing, in his youth, Kurtz used to spend time with the horses at his dad's friend's property. That friend? Oh, it's a name I may have mentioned before. Ron Logan? Shut up! The person whose property the bodies were found on. Yep. Uh, Also, in early 2017... While Kurtz didn't live in Delphi, he had access to an apartment there. The apartment belonged to his ex-girlfriend, Ashley Garth, who, at the time, was in prison for violating her parole. Ashley was arrested for using and manufacturing meth. The arrest led to her losing custody of her child and to the breakup of Ashley and Kurtz. Kurtz was livid about this breakup and blamed the person he felt was responsible for Ashley's arrest. Who was that person? Oh, I don't know. Derek German, Liberty's father? Shut the fuck up! Yeah. That's wild. This is the stuff that I told you I couldn't tell you until I threw a Sharpie! I threw it! Well, we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep going in. Okay, that's huge, though. That's a huge, that's a huge motive. Yeah. Derek German was arrested on drug charges and offered a reduced sentence 
for becoming a police informant, giving the police info on people who are manufacturing drugs in Delphi. One of the people that Derek tattled on, Ashley Garth. Is it possible that Kurtz attacked the girls to get revenge on him? Because I would like to point out once again, Ashley, not only did she get put on probation and then it was her own fault for violating that probation, but because of all of this, she lost custody of her child. Wow. So that's a thing. That's a very eye for an eye. You take my child, I take yours. But also it is the reason her and this Garrett Kurtz broke up and Garrett is livid about it. While the police uh, have not revealed how the girls were murdered, I have read multiple sources. Again, I don't know how accurate they are since the police haven't officially released anything. So we're just kind of speculating on quite a lot. But I have seen a lot of places that claim that Libby took the brunt of the attack. Right. I mean, I've read things like the crime scene was fairly clean, so maybe they were killed in a barn on a property and then moved there. They were badly beaten. Their throats were slit. Like, these are things, maybe, but I can't, I have no idea. Right. Time and time again, the comments are like, Libby took the brunt of the attack, regardless of to what that entails. Could it be that Libby was trying to protect Abby and like step in between her and whoever had done this or is it because Libby was the official target great question and it only happened to Abby because Abby was a witness because to go back to the point that I was making at the end of our our first act there there's been some there you know been speculation and different things that it's like well Abby was the bigger one of the two she must have been defending sorry Libby was the bigger one of the two she must have been defending Abby this is the thing that keeps coming on and on but again we look at these photos and it's like yes she was a little bit bigger but not like significant so that would blow that out of the water absolutely if Libby was specifically targeted and the reason why she had more damage done to her was because she was being specifically targeted by someone seeking revenge. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot more sense than, oh, she was clearly defending her friend who was 100 pounds less than her when it's like she wasn't, she wasn't, Yeah, you know? I know. I have also read a lot of things about Abby not dying right away. And potentially uh, trying to crawl away. Oh. Mm-hmm. Some have even claimed that she died en route to the hospital. I don't feel like I believe that because police said that bodies were found. They didn't say one of the victims. Like, you think they would have taken that as like a, hey, we have someone who was right. alive. Um, even if they did die en route to the hospital, you would think that they would at least mention that part. But who knows? Maybe it'll come out later. But the thing that catches me, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe there is something to be said. Again, we don't know the position of the bodies. According to people who are there, they're like, it looked like she was trying to crawl away because she was in, a, in her positioning and how far she was apart. The thing that stands out to me is when you look at their obituaries, Libby's death is listed as February 13th, the day they went missing. Abby's death is listed as February 14th, the day they were found. 
Oh, wow. And police are, were, are seem very convinced that all of this happened very quickly from like they fe- they saw this man and like I've seen quotes on like police assumed it was all over by 3.30. I've seen that too. So that if they that's, thought it was all done by then. If that's true, why would her parents, why would Abby's parents say, or why would Abby's mother, sorry, say it's been, uh, why would they put it the next, why would she put it the next day? Why be so specific? Why? Yeah. Great yeah. point. Great yeah. question. Well, you know. Now, I know that we liked those last two suspects for this case. I'm going to I'm going to take a turn, folks. Some people pe- some people aren't going to be aren't going to be happy with me. Great. But if I'm going to do my job, this is where we're at. Take us on this journey. I cannot wait. There are some people in Liberty's family that are for lack of better words, sketchy at best. <laughs> I love this. I love where this is going. Derek German, who is Liberty's dad, uh, he had multiple run-ins with the police. He had, like, felony meth possession, driving infractions, misdemeanors for check fraud. In May 2008, Derek was charged with improper storage of anhydrous ammonia which is the key ingredient in manufacturing meth. He claims he was just going to sell it, but isn't that exactly what a meth maker would say? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So some people also find Mike Patty, who is Libby's grandfather, as a bit of a questionable character. Mike and his wife, Becky Patty, raised Libby and her sister, Kelsey, from the time Libby was about three years old as the parents weren't really able to because again Derek was in and out of prison I don't know what the deal was with their mother Carrie but she has since remarried I believe has two other daughters and lives in Kentucky so I don't know what the situation is there it smelled to me I mentioned this before it smelled to me like some sort of addiction as someone who's watched a lot of episodes of Intervention in my uh, in my days. Yeah. It smelled to me, and I have nothing to base this on, but just the fact that she was living far away, quite often on that show especially, you know, people will go to rehab, they'll go into sober living, and then they're kind of encouraged not to move back to their hometown or where they were coming from because there's all the typical kind of triggers there temptations there all of those kinds of things they're often encouraged to move elsewhere I don't know why but now that I hear that Derek the father was involved in drugs it makes me feel a little bit more like uh, it's I just think it's plausible perhaps the mom could have gone through something with addiction and maybe that is why she was living in a very very different place from her two other daughters which I I mean again who knows complete speculation but I just offer that as food for thought I think it's great you know that I do I realized at one point I said I was going to be more like explaining family members and I guess I probably didn't but Carrie she was Carrie Hillenberg at the time she married Derek German in June of 2000 
they have since divorced and she has remarried from best I can tell because she's Carrie Timmons now. But I don't know when they officially divorced. Right. But Derek, in and out of prison, he has gone back and has been living with his mother, who is Becky Patty, who married Mike Patty in like July of 92. So they, Mike Patty had his whole life kind of like he has a son who's like in his 30s. And then he met and married Becky Patty. And now they're grandparents and raising these grandchildren because they raised Kelsey and uh, Libby. And then my or Derek, sorry, also lives there. So there's just, there's a lot of people going on. Yeah. Abby was raised by a single mother, her mother Amanda. And then she also has multiple sets of grandparents. But they, there was nothing about them that I was like, mm. Well, I don't like that. Right. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave them be. I'm yes. also fully aware that these people are grieving. But also there's there's just connections that I don't care for. Absolutely. Mike Patty, who is Libby's grandfather, uh gave a press conference March 9th, twenty seventeen. He thanked everyone for the support and commented that Libby's cell phone, quote, pinged all over town which we know isn't really true because it was in the woods with the girls the whole time I don't think somebody took it and then drove around with it and then took it back right but you know I just feel like maybe this was instead of just like a say anything it was like he wanted to feel like there's something he could offer to the public right and so it was just, he was like, well, they're going to ping her cell phone. I know that much. So it just felt like it came out weird. I mean, people have also commented at that press conference that he has scratches on his arms. He was at the time, from what I have read, at the time of Abby and Libby's disappearance, Mike Patty was at work in Lafayette, surrounded by coworkers and security cameras. I have not had someone outright be like, yes, I saw him at work. Right. But that's what I'm being told. Right. Uh, But as I had mentioned before, Mike has a 32-year-old son named Cody Patty. Cody is a certified creep. (laughs) (laughs) On February 13th, hours before the girls would go missing, Cody and his friend Michael Bevard... Uh, had a conversation on Facebook. Please keep in mind, at this time, Cody Patty is 29 years old. Michael says, bro, she 14 though. Cody says, it's hard to find that baby is mine. I only nutted in her one time. God damn it. Michael says, her daddy said to have her home by 10. Cody said, I said... But I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm just really trying to get it in. Michael said, until nine months later, though. (laughs) Like, the thing of it is, I have seen multiple things online where people are like, they're song lyrics. Settle down. It's nothing. To which I say, okay, sure. And I'm sure it's it's just a real, I'm sure that tune slaps. (laughs) Thank you for that. I have looked and Googled those phrases, and the only thing that comes up 
is this conversation of theirs. So it just feels like if it's song lyrics, do they have a band and it's their own song? Because I cannot find song lyrics. I can't find a song to match it anywhere. Yeah. Some also suggested that Cody may have had a relationship with a minor at one point. But along with the song lyrics, I cannot confirm or deny either claim. I just feel a 29-year-old man, that is not a boy, that is a man. A 29-year-old man has just, even joking around, has no place making jokes about having sex with a 14-year-old girl? Absolutely not. Especially when, keep in mind, he has a 14-year-old niece who is Libby. So it's like, it's just, yeah. I mean, that I think the timing is just incredibly unfortunate for it to be the day they go missing. This is a conversation they had very publicly. But at the same time, I I don't know if he's involved in some way, but he just gives me the creeps and I just don't it's not the kind of thing that you like joke about and I mean this is this is just who I am I you know I love Ice Cube I I've been really getting into NWA Easy E I I guess a little more of the Tupac than I was expecting and do I get really into it when I'm at home when I'm in my car when I'm you know, doing my thing. When I was in your backyard uh, researching the other afternoon, I had music on. And was I getting into it? The answer, embarrassingly so, yes. But when they're like dropping the N-word, I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I can't do it. So I don't because I'm an adult. So as an adult, if it's a song that you're like, it's the greatest song of all time, you don't go around quoting it. When it's talking about sex with a 14-year-old girl. No. And also, I love the fact, I think it's great that you backed it up by searching, looking for these song lyrics. The fact that you found nothing and that the defense has always been, oh, well, he was just quoting a song. Okay, well, show us the song. We can't find it. That's damning. Also, what time did did that post go up? I think it was like 11-ish in the morning. Mm, whoever whoever took the screenshots bless you for taking the screenshots because they have all since disappeared obviously they were smart enough to delete them of course but whoever did the screenshots one, just two things of note one thank you for doing that and knowing that that's not right uh, and people are going to want to see this and two can I come over and teach you how to do a screenshot because, <laughs> <laughs> because it's very clearly Someone looked it up on their phone and then someone used another phone or dare I say possibly a digital camera and took a picture of it instead of taking an actual screenshot. So some of it's a little blurry and it's hard to read. So I can't read the uh, times as well as I would like. Because I had thought that what I had read was that he had posted that after they had gone missing. Well, they this is a conversation they had like throughout the day. So, okay. So the interesting. In, the initial like, but bro, she's fourteen though. Was posted around I think like eleven in the morning. Mm. Gross. Because from my understanding, uh, Cody Patty was coming home from like a weekend away. Because again, it was like 
Well, I guess it was only a long weekend for the girls, but he was away somewhere for the weekend and he was traveling back home that day. Or so he says. Yeah, that the girls Mm. went missing. So, I mean, again, I do now realize I want to apologize for using the word nutted. It is. (laughs) (laughs) It it was not my choice. You were Um, reading. You were reading a quote. I was reading reading a quote. I was reading supposed lyrics, but don't worry. As always, I will post the screenshots of these, um, of both of yes. them. Screenshots, I use the term loosely. I will post those on the case file that I post on Instagram and Facebook at True Crime and Cocktails. I'll also put them both in the virtual case file at truecrimeandcocktails.com. It should also be of note, I can't find out who specifically. It unfortunately was not the Michael character we've already mentioned. But there is a friend of Cody's who lives in Lafayette who was arrested on February 15th for possession and selling of meth. Always comes back to meth. Yeah. And for having a sexual relationship with a 16-year-old girl whose photos were on his phone. So he's not hanging out with the best of the best. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I just find it interesting that there is this like whole gross, like him making jokes about, you know, impregnating a 14 year old girl. And then he has a friend who (laughs) had like a relationship openly. So with a 16 year old girl. So I find that uh, to be a lot. Uh, something I find odd and run with me on this not only shortly after I don't have the exact dates because again it's it no longer exists in the world I'm going based on the tiniest screenshots shortly after this happened a GoFundMe was set up for Libby's family it was set up by Cody Patty which I also find interesting and now the families of both Abby and Libby uh, we're trying to set up a scholarship. Well, now I'm all distracted. They, The two families set up a thing to try and like get a park. They want to put a memorial park for the girls. The family of just Libby were setting up a scholarship under Libby's name. They said that uh, memorial contributions may be made to Liberty German Scholarship Fund. Care of Mike and Cody Patty. That's weird. Why would Cody Patty have anything to do about it? I don't know, but I also find it weird because they went through things, even though she was 14, like they still have to go through legal things that where they considered it, They if they did something on her behalf, it was from the estate of right. Liberty German, even though she's 14 years old. Like at one point, Becky Patty took apple to court to get them to release liberty's data from her phone like to release info from her phone i'm assuming from like iclouds and stuff like something that there was iclouds i know it's icloud i'm I'm a nana but not that much they they did win and she got to get the info that she needed and this was october of 2017 but the point is like to do anything if it's on behalf of someone who has passed, you need somebody to be head of that estate. And well, let me tell you this, Becky Patty 
is the person who is listed as the personal representative of the estate of Liberty German. So if she's the personal representative, why are you giving money in care of Mike and Cody Patty? What does Great Cody question. Patty have to do with any of this? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. It has been said that the scene displayed at least three signatures or unique behaviors of the killer and the police have alluded to the fact that it could have been a serial killer but if it is a serial killer wouldn't there be other cases that were similar in nature like this one i want to hear it july 13th 2012 eight-year-old elizabeth collins and her 10-year-old cousin Lyric Cook, go missing. The pair were last seen riding their bikes at 12.20 p.m. in the small town of Evansdale, Iowa, population about 4,700 people. So similar in size to Delphi. Yeah. The family start a search at 2 p.m. and alert local authorities at 2.48 p.m. The FBI brings in dive teams, infrared-equipped aircraft, and a canine unit. At 5 p.m., the girls' bikes and Elizabeth's belongings were found on a trail near the southeast corner of Myers Lake. Nearly five months later, the girls' bodies were discovered by hunters in a remote wooded area of the Seven Bridges Wildlife Park about 25, 25 miles north of the lake. This was December of 2012. Now, the police have not revealed how those girls were killed, Although uh, they do have the belief that the perp is local. Now, there is a theory that the murders were a revenge on Lyric's parents over a drug dispute. Lyric had a father who had a history of making meth at their house. Uh, Lyric's father has since been sentenced to 90 years for various drug charges. Whoa. And her mother, Misty, uh, has been sentenced to 10 years for various drug offenses. Elizabeth's parents believe so much that it was a drug revenge that they refused any sort of joint memorial or funeral. Lyric's father was scheduled to testify against someone shortly after his daughter disappeared. So it's the question of did somebody take her to make him not testify against them? Derek, or not sorry, Derek, her father, Dan, has been like, but I'm in jail for life, basically, so I have nothing to lose. So if it's somebody I think that's involved with me somehow, I'm going to tell you. So is it? We don't know. Uh, The point is the Delphi police were like, you know what? These cases are so different. There's just nothing worth pointing out to bring up this case. To which I say, these are the similarities that I found in the two cases. One, it involved two young female victims. Two, one of the girls was raised by their grandparents after their parents went through meth problems. Three, they disappeared in broad daylight. Four, found in a wooded area. Five, police have not revealed how they were killed. Six, police believe the... Uh, killer is local seven both cases relatively small towns 
Delphi's 3000, Evansdale's 4700. Uh, and lastly, both incidents occurred on the 13th of the month. Delphi happened February 13th. Evansdale happened July 13th. Delphi and Evansdale are about 400 miles or 645 kilometers apart, which, according to Google, is about a six-hour drive. So that's interesting. But speaking of that, remember the guy I mentioned, Kevin Hockenberry? You know, the like super creepy guy whose family was like, oh, he looks like the bridge guy. And he went to jail for assaulting his wife's daughter. At the time of Lyric and Elizabeth's murders, he drove a similar vehicle to the one that the police were interested in finding in for the case. And he lived about an hour outside of Evansdale. So there's that. Could he be responsible for both? I mean, I'm not saying I potentially found a serial killer, but I'm just saying. And I know people are like, Christy, a serial killer? Stop yourself. To that, I'm going to say. According to the stats that I have found, there is an estimated 2,100 unidentified serial killers just roam in the U.S. right now. And there is a police detective who believes that number's as high as 4,000. So the idea that that many people could just be wandering around, just doing whatever they want, getting away with it, who's to say that these cases that are so similar aren't by the same person? Absolutely. I, especially because I like... Hockenberry for the Delphi ones. So why wouldn't I like him for these other ones? Because he happened to live in that area at the time. So there's that. And I just, look, I know I've thrown a lot of names at everybody. I know yeah. that I've kind of gone all over the place. And for that, forgive me. I, I'm in a new space. My brain's, my brain's all over the place. Of my course. brain, my brain's thinking about the pool. I'm thinking about just walking right out the door. I'm falling into a pool right now. But my point is, I just, there are just, the similarities between those two cases are crazy to me. The idea that there is a guy who kind of blames Liberty's father for the situation he's in and for the fact that his girlfriend broke up with him and the fact that his girlfriend lost custody of her own daughter or son, sorry, I guess I should say, because I don't know specifically uh, the gender of that child. The point was just... There's, there's a few people that I've mentioned that I really like for this. I'm not convinced that Cody Patty officially had anything to do with it. I just think he's a full creep. Well, if I may, I think the family's involved. Yeah, I'm just going out there and saying it. I'm going to be that bold yeah. and I'm going to get into why. I don't know that I... I don't know that I necessarily am saying that one of them physically did the murder, but I sure. think that the family knows something if they if somebody involved in the family didn't physically do it i think somebody knows something and they're not saying something because i just feel like watching the sheriff and the way that he's addressed the public and the way that the police are handling this there's been so many references to again the clips that you see of the sheriff saying things like i think you could be in this room right now I think you're listening. I think that you need to let your guilt catch up with you. There was a reference that was made about like, maybe you were away. Maybe you were coming from work. 
And there was, of course, some debate about where was Cody Patty at the time. Was he away? He said he was, but then some people refuted that. Was he at work? I'm not sure. That felt like it was a direct comment. I feel like the first sketch looked a lot like Mike Patty, and I felt like the second sketch looked like a younger Mike Patty, a.k.a. Cody Patty. That made me wonder, in terms of the sketches, are the police wondering, and I am speculating right now, are the police feeling like they could be involved and are they fucking with them are they testing them Mm. are they putting this stuff out there going we don't have enough to pin this on you again if if the dna found at the crime on them was a hair for example there is an argument that could be made a good lawyer in court could uh, of course argue that it's like Prove to me that that hair was placed there when they died and not when they were doing laundry or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is the DNA? The DNA has not been specified. And now again, there's a lot, of course, of rumor and conjecture about what was going on about the cause of death, specifically what happened to the girls. Some of the theories have been that they were not sexually assaulted, in which case that would mean that the DNA present would not have been semen. So... That could be another reason why, if they have DNA that's present, if that is true, because again, as you know, I waver on whether or not I believe that's true. Yeah. But if it is a hair that matches somebody in that family, they're going to need more than that to pin it on them as a crime. Because again, a good, I don't need to explain yeah. to you, everybody listening, a good lawyer can can get you out of that. There's also the question about Kelsey, Libby's older sister. What's her level of potential involvement in this? I know what you're saying. Lauren, you're a monster. Hear me out. She drove them there. She also was apparently supposed to be at work, but then was actually at a boyfriend's house potentially. And and then there was some discrepancy between Becky Patty saying she had called Kelsey at work, but then Kelsey wasn't there. And then Kelsey came out saying something about like, oh, Becky was mistaken. Again, this is all hearsay, but I did read quite a bit um, coming from Kelsey that felt questionable to me. I was like, okay, that's interesting. She's apparently now also getting into forensics work, which again is is interesting, turning into the swerve. There was also some debate and rumor that there was multiple, she, that Kelsey said that there was multiple kids at the woods during this time, like teenage kids. There was like large right. numbers being thrown around, like 30. I'm like, wait a minute. That feels like a huge amount of, of, of people to be, you know, just milling around in this area in the woods for a town of 3,000, 30 teens. That feels odd to me. I'm not saying she is or she isn't involved. I'm just saying, again, this feels suspicious. It feels like does somebody know something, even if they, I'm not suggesting that I think Kelsey killed the two girls. But what I'm saying is it feels like, was there a lie? Was there a mistruth? Does she know something that she's not saying? You know, other questions. Obviously, something that's been brought up many times, is this a catfish situation, you know, where the girls thought they were talking to somebody on Snapchat or what have you, and then they, they're going to meet out in the woods, and then, of course, there's this, you know, adult man that's not the teenage boy that maybe they thought they were talking to, and maybe that's why Libby started to film the person, because it was like, oh, shoot, we've been catfished. That's one theory that, to me, holds some water. Another theory is that she knew the guy, That she started filming him because she was like, oh my gosh, it's Cody, or oh my gosh, it's Mike. And the reason why the police are cutting and pasting this audio could potentially be because there was some acknowledgement that this was somebody that they knew. I agree with you that when he said the audio down the hill, 
I don't read into it as being this hugely, you know, looming, um, kind of intimidating statement. To me, it sounds more like, oh, where's so-and-so down the hill? Like, it felt very matter-of-fact. It didn't feel intimidating to me. Again, does that mean that perhaps this is someone who had an existing relationship with them? And that makes me think about, you know... And listen, it, all of this is is so grisly and, and, and horrible, and that goes without saying. But the other thing, too, is that if this is one perp, if this is one person who is committing this crime, I think back to you and I being 13 and 14, and I also think about the fact that we would have fought like hell, and I feel like that, you know, listen, no victim shaming anybody's reaction as it is, is their reaction in these times of huge stress, but I'm like, What was it that got them to go with this guy? Was it a gun? Was it not a gun? Again, this is why it would be helpful to know anything about cause of death. But to me, it also feels plausible that there was, they were coerced to go not out of a a fear. You know, like, like what about exploring the fact that I agree with you? Listen, this, this serial killer sounds like something that needs to be looked at. There's lots that need to be looked at. But what about the idea that they went with somebody that they knew? And that's why the two of them went willingly. And that's why, you know what I mean? Because again, like if 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 there's an attacker, it feels like two on one. Now, granted, they're little they're they're little girls, et cetera. Again, not a victim shame or anything like that, but but my question is just again, what did that look like? And it feels to me like I just think it should be explored, the, the potential that there was somebody that they knew that was involved. There was also a rumor I read that after this had happened, Libby's family had gone on a cruise. I don't know if that's true or not. My question is, where did the GoFundMe money go? I went there. You know, I just think there's a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot. It feels like there's a lot of secrets being kept, a lot of kind of, you know, And the information that we're getting from the police, too. There's a lot of secrets being held there, too. It just feels like we need a little bit more information to go on this because right now it feels like you've just listed so many great possibilities for who this could be. So give us some more info so we can rule some of these people out. You know? A hundred percent. I mean, I just I I just want to know what they know. You know, just just let me know what you know. Let me know what you know. Like there could be the the more that we know, the less that there are going to be people out there being like, oh, well, this is what I think. And then suddenly rumors get started. And then before you know it, you have people that are like, oh, well, this is how they died. And it's like, well, we don't know how they died. Like if you tell us, then we can maybe take some of the we can take more people out of the equation as far as suspects go. Yeah. So just show us the tapes. Show us the tapes. Give us 20 minutes on the computer. Yes. You know, and I do also just want to reference, too, I know you mentioned before that that Libby had apparently been prone to running away. There was also some speculation that I had read that perhaps she had a strained relationship with Mike Patty, who, of course, would have technically been her step-grandfather, right? Yeah. And Cody Patty, of course, being his son. I don't know. To me, it's 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 also interesting to tie it back very quickly to this poster that got put out saying she was five foot four and 200 pounds where I was just like that's just untrue she just she just didn't that's just not accurate again I want to know who gave that information was that Mike Patty that gave that information is this alluding to this strained relationship that the two of them potentially had 
Who knows? You know, what did that look like? Is this some sort of situation where, you know, Cody, who we have addressed, seems like certified creep? Was there some debate? Was he being creepy at some point with Liber- with with Libby or with Kelsey? Did they go to Mike? Did Mike side with Cody? Who knows, right? Like, again, like, the the possibilities here truly do feel a little bit endless. But it just feels to me, again, I, much using the X-Files mantra, as I always do, I trust no one. And I think that uh, I am just not convinced that there is a family member that isn't hiding something. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the rest of the family is covering for that person either, it could very well be that 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 Becky Patty has no idea what the what what Mike and Cody potentially could be covering up. Who knows? But I am just not convinced that the family doesn't know something. It feels impossible to me. And it feels again like for the police to hold on to this information for this long. My gut is telling me it's because they think a family member is involved and they don't have enough to pin it on a family member. So that's why they're keeping it close to their chest. That's my two cents. And you don't want to show your hand so that they can do something to get out of it. Exactly. And again, yeah. the DNA detail, that's what I keep coming back to. If it's not semen, if it's if it's hair, for example, like a normal hair out of your head, it would be very difficult in a court of law to prove how that hair got on them, especially if they were sharing a residence. It would be very it would be almost impossible to prove. Yeah, even something as like as simple as they found DNA under her fingernails that belonged to a family member. And it's like, well, you can't specifically prove that it happened in that moment. You can't. Whereas a stranger is like, okay, Matt's more likely, but like a family member, a family member, it's tough. And especially if the kind of DNA they have, if all they have is like a family match. If they know it's like a male from this family, then it wouldn't narrow it down between Cody and Mike. So then where would they be? And it's like, well, maybe they just don't want to tip their hand yet. And uh, I don't know. The the bottom line to me is, is that somebody knows something like it's it's just impossible that there isn't somebody involved connected to somebody involved, at least that knows something. I just feel, again, listening to the police, the way I feel like they've been calling calling out, the, the way that they've been talking about it, the way that they've been kind of like, you know, I I think you you could be in this room. I think you're close to this. Again, the, the specificity with like, are you away? Were you away? Were you at work? Those kinds of things, which feels to me like they're specifically talking to Cody Patty. Also, maybe at that time they, they thought that he was a suspect and now they don't. Bottom line to me is... You know, again, even if the family had had consented to DNA tests, again, if the DNA is hair, I just feel like that it again that they would the, the cops would need more in order yeah. to make a case. So to me, that's the only reason I personally can see as to four years later still not releasing more information. That makes sense. I uh, look, maybe this is the time you sway me. Hey, that's a first. Uh, I mean, I'm still there's a there's a couple of those suspects that I'm still like, oh, I think I think they're a good contender. But yeah, I that would make sense as to why they wouldn't mention anything or why they would just be like, here's this tiny little bit. And then a year and a half later, 
okay, fine, here's this tiny little bit, and then just nothing since then. So it's like, who knows, maybe a year from now, you know, maybe they'll post, they'll just be yeah. like, fine, here's something else. But then I guarantee whatever they release will go, well, this does nothing. Just like yeah. when they added the word guys, I felt like it didn't add a lot to it. But again, it doesn't sound to me like a demanding, angry, guys, it's just like a guys down the hill. Like that's, yeah. it's just such a lower thing that I don't, I don't know. Everybody seems to be taking it as such a negative thing, but I also could not agree more with the potential catfish situation because what else are teen girls doing but social media? Yeah. I know if we had social media back in the day, which, oh, thank God we didn't. But if we did, I totally would have been like, okay, let's get out there, talk to some boys. And if there was somebody who came on and was like, I'm 15, whatever, I would be like, I will believe that. Yeah. And so, yeah, where are we going to meet up? Well, hey, we got the day off school. Let's go meet up here. You know, like, so I could see it being, what if? You never know. And, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think often tragically the simplest explanation is often true in in a lot of cases and I think that in this situation it feels to me like it just wasn't random it feels to me like whether it was a catfish whether it was someone they knew whatever it feels like someone knew where they were and they were targeted it doesn't feel to me like it was just like a stranger off the street that being said you also provided a lot of compelling evidence that it could have been so I think at the end of the day, what what we've learned, dear listeners, w- while diving into the Delphi murders, is that it is it is probably one of the most infuriating cases we've ever covered because there's just yeah. so many possibilities. And my hope, again, is by continuing to talk about it, like we always say, continuing to talk about it, continuing to keep these names alive, hopefully we will be able to apply some sort of pressure to the police to, to release some more information, which will hopefully lead to some actual justice in this situation. Absolutely. It's very, very frustrating <laughs> to yeah. look, like, try and deep dive a case and try and find things that you're like, oh, I don't know if people know about this, when there's just so little out there. <laughs> so it's been very maddening, and I'm excited because I know not the next episode we do, but the one after that, I know I have a very lengthy documentary to get through. So, um, right. I, which don't worry, dear listeners, I'm going to let you know, I'm going to give you a little in advance warning because it's quite a long thing to get through. So I just feel like I'm excited for that because I'm hoping there's going to be a lot of info. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It's when there's nothing, it's like, I, oh boy, I got to find something. And well, I, I feel like there were some things that were brought up and if nothing yeah. else, I could not be happier to have this Celine Dion slash reporter in the field where I'm just like, and back to you in the studio, you know, like I'm feeling it. (laughs) I'm really, really feeling it. I don't know if it's the California air. I don't know if it's just this. The point is I'm feeling very like, I want to throw it back to you. You know what I mean? Like that's where I'm feeling like that. Like I'm full working right now. 
And I love you for it. Again, you've come alive in a new way. We're always discovering new things on True Crime and Cocktails, which I think is what the real gift is. Yes. Listen, do you want to tell? Do you want to tease the next episode with the long documentary, or do you want to wait? I mean, I don't know. I was just going to post it on Instagram, but we can tease. Okay. No, we don't have to. I was just. I thought that maybe you were leading up to that. Oh no, I wasn't meaning to, but I feel like now we have to. That's on me. <laughs> That's on me. Because I feel like we've done long enough, but just to let them know, it's not the next episode. It's the episode after that. Because right. the next episode, you don't need any prep for that one. Nope. Because it's just these two dinglings yep. talking all things California. Yes. And true crime and quarantine. Yeah. We're going to be walking you through Christy's visit, everything it took for her to get here, the trip, everything we did. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, no, no research required. And then the week after that, that's that's going to be a bigger one. Yeah. So then we're going for it. I say go for it. Oh well, on the next next true crime <laughs> cocktail. Yes, we are going to venture into the staircase. One that we get requests for all the time. All the time. All the time. There is, of course, a very large documentary series that you can view on Netflix about the staircase. I cannot wait to find what Christy digs up on that. Christy Oxborough, thank you so much for your your deep dive into the Delphi murders. I think that you came up with a lot of very, very plausible leads. And as I said uh, one more time, I can't say it enough. I I just hope that this will lead eventually to some justice for these two girls who, who lost their lives far far too soon a hundred percent i i mean that's our always our goal we just want something that comes out maybe something that we say that gets somebody thinking oh that's an idea and then they follow up on it and it leads to something because all we want is for scumbags to get what's coming to them a hundred percent Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails Famous Fatalities Edition. If you haven't already, give us a follow on social media at True Crime and Cocktails on Instagram and on Facebook at Not Detectives on Twitter. Uh, also, head on over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash True Crime and Cocktails. We offer many bonus episodes, monthly live Q&As, uh, polls where you can help decide episodes just like this one for us to cover. It's a whole lot of fun. And also make sure you check out our website, truecrimeandcocktails.com, where there's our full unedited Zoom episodes of the show, our extended virtual case files. There's all kinds of goodness, and we hope you enjoy all of it. Christy, do you want to say goodnight to the people? Good night, people. Good night, everybody. My name is Muriel, and I love true crime. I'm Nick, and I am not a fan. Every week on our new podcast, Muriel's Murders, I handpick a real-life crime story that I think will blow Nick's mind. Muriel is really enthusiastic about researching and telling me these stories, and boy, they are a lot. Some of them are famous. Some of them are weirdly under the radar, but all of them contain crime, violence, and murder from across history and around the globe. (laughs) So join us every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts and check out the original Muriel's Murders animations on Instagram, YouTube, 
Twitter, and TikTok at Muriel's Murders. How are you feeling, Nikki? Very nervous. Are you ready to hear a story? No. Too bad. Here comes some murdery clips from season one of Muriel's Murders. This week involves a trio of scheming brothers, a handyman and his gold, an unsolved mystery, and Abraham Lincoln himself. And they also say that Henry actually never recanted his story, ever. Whoa. He never recanted it. You said I shouldn't be scared. This Fisher, that could be a ghost. And no one and no one knows what happened to Fisher. Like that never came into the the light. Like Henry yeah. never recanted and Fisher like literally never said anything about it. So very easily they could have taken him to the thicket. I love that it happened in the thicket, by the way. Yeah. I'm not even sure what it is, but I just see like blackberry brambles and it's like sticky and hurdy. And then they, they try to kill him. They think they kill him. They move him to the pond and then he just wakes up. Like they were really bad at killing and robbing him. who yeah. pulled somebody over who had some weed yeah. and the people were like don't give us a ticket we'll show you where the weed is at and he said okay and they drove to texas and he got about 300 pounds of weed in texas yeah. and drove it back to sell it in arkansas and totally got caught <laughs> but he's like a state trooper from that area you sure, know <laughs> sure sure yeah I get so it. like you gotta get this idea that like you know like i'm envisioning rural uh sparsely populated and it's a still has that bootlegger like anything goes vibe you know like that's sure. the that's the feeling that i got you know the state troopers like you got that weed he's like no <laughs> listen man i'll just cut you a deal he's like you got it we have to go all the way to texas he's like ah, i was going there anyways <laughs> exactly he gets there and he buys a gun and bullets, right? <laughs> so very concerned father yeah, doesn't right. know where his little curl is. Yeah, She's walking through yeah. the woods, so he's just gonna go kill this guy. Yeah, right? Right. yeah totally. So he goes and he buys a gun and some bullets, and he like goes down to Waldport, which is the closest town to where the ferry is to get across the bay. And he gets to where the ferry is, and he looks up and he misses the ferry by like just a couple minutes. Right. But he looks up and he sees this bearded tiny guy surrounded by these bathroom women and so he just picks up his pistol and he shoots it and the gun misfires five times and so now Creffield has witnesses to that he can't be killed oh yes he just he just destroyed San Francisco yes. and now he can't be killed right and so they just like he didn't duck or run away and then the ferry just moves across <laughs> the water just keeping <laughs> eye contact the entire way Campfire.